But all throughout human history, there's been destructive content posted, whether it was written in a newspaper or whatever. All through human history, there's been pamphlets that have been created. All through human history, we've had people spouting conspiracy theories and lies. What's different now is a platform that 2 billion people are on that's pushing it to you without you asking for it. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting-edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders, rewriting the rules of high performance at work. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast. Welcome to Superhumans at Work by Mind Valley. I'm your host, Jason Mark Campbell. And before we get started, tell me, if you could change anything in your life, what would it be? Would it be your body, your career, your relationships? Thankfully, you don't have to choose. As a Mind Valley member, you'll get instant access to the wisdom of world class personal growth teachers and programs that can evolve you in every way for just $2 a day. Are you ready to make a change? Start transforming your life today at mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman. Hi, everybody. This is Jason Mark Campbell. Welcome back to Superhumans at Work. I have a good friend and a returning guest here on the podcast, Mr. David Meerman Scott. And if you haven't had a chance to watch the first episode we did together, you definitely want to go back and see everything that we've covered around this new economy, around tribes, around being fanocracy, which was the title of his latest book. And what I wanted to do today is go back to some of his original work around the new rules of marketing and PR and really speak about what are some of the latest changes and differences for those of you who want to stand out and get your message out to the masses. For those of you who aren't familiar with David Meerman Scott's amazing work, he is a marketing strategist, entrepreneur, business growth speaker, and author. And he has written over 12 book co-authors, some of them as well. Three of them are international bestseller. And this new rules of marketing and PR is now its seventh edition, eighth edition, even in the works right now has been translated over 29 language and has become a modern business classic over 400,000 copies has been sold. Now, there's so many ideas that this man brings forward for those who want to take what is the most cutting edge ways to get attention in a world where everybody is competing for attention. Some of his things such as newsjacking, which I have a feeling we'll be talking about a little bit, are one of his strategies that are highly effective and still used effectively today. I want to go deeper into how do we use social media, online video, mobile application, blogs, newsjacking, viral video marketing to reach buyers directly. These are some of the new rules for marketing PR that we're going to be discussing today with David Mirren Scott. Sir, welcome back to Superhumans at Work. Jason, it's so great to be here. I love being on your show. I love the fact that we're like 6,000 miles away from each other. So thanks for having me on. Well, it feels like you're in my living room and we're able to have this conversation, which is really the fun part of doing these podcasts, to be honest. And for everybody else that's tuning in, I know the feeling can be the same as well, which kind of having a look at what's happening you know, in the world, marketing, PR, as I mentioned, there's a lot of competition around this attention, which is becoming mm. more and more limited. We're kind of becoming more numb and numb around marketing messages out there that seem like an old rhetoric. What are you feeling around marketing in, in, in general? Do you have kind of a sentiment of what you're seeing right now? Yeah, I'm seeing a few things. Thanks for asking. So the first thing I'm seeing is I think that the last year and a half, our pandemic has 
made us think differently about how to market. And first of all, for those organizations that had been doing some kind of marketing in person. So for example, people walking into a store or trade people going to trade show booths, physical trade show booths, things like that, gone. Haven't happened over the last year and a half. So that's that's an issue. But in general, what I'm seeing is a return to more kindness and generosity. And that's been a hallmark of everything I've been talking about for more than 25 years. And, and many of the books that I've written have had elements of the idea that the more you give to the universe, the more you give in the form of content, like what you're doing right now, Jason, creating a podcast, you're creating something we, you and I together right now are creating something and the people who are watching are being a part of the thing we're creating. And that kindness and generosity is giving to the universe. And then some way, somehow, maybe even years from now, that will return to us when we create something of value. And I think that marketing over so many years has been about coercion. Marketing has been about trying to get people to buy your stuff. Marketing has been about, about kind of the dark arts of manipulating the search engines to get people to come to you. Whereas I think what's working so well right now, because the marketplace is so crowded, is the more you give eventually the more you get. And isn't that a beautiful trend? Like this is eventually what all of these technologies supposedly had been trying to do. Like Google was not trying to give advantages to people using what was black hack tactics or SEO yes. kind of tricks to make you rank higher with products that were subpar. Like, let's be frank, there was a lot of scammy products out there, but now you're starting to get a lot more confidence in what you're finding as some of the top results are actually the legitimate content providers, value providers. And you're seeing these rises of content creators on platforms like YouTube, et cetera. So I think it's a brilliant thing, but they're still like on the fringes. There's a lot of like things that can happen that could be on the, the scammy side. I don't know if you're seeing this on the yeah. advertising side. Are you still seeing areas that still need to mature before we start seeing a lot of the great things always come up top? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, first of all, there's still so many people who believe they have to pay for access. I was reading an article just a couple of minutes before we, we jumped on this, that, that Kim Kardashian is now getting a million dollars for one Instagram post. I mean, she's been making a lot of money for on her Instagram for a long time, but a million dollars for one Instagram post. So there's still plenty of people who think they have to pay for access, television commercials, magazine commercials, social media influencers like the Kardashians and so on. So that's on one side. And the other side is what, what you just talked about, the whole idea of the spammy side of things and the, the sleazy side of things. And I think that when you think about what we just chatted about, this idea of being kind and generous, of creating content, whether it's video or what we're doing right now, creating audio, or whether it's in the form of written content, long form content like blog posts or media and post short form content like Twitter and so on, um, that there's always room for niche markets. And most people who will be listening to this are in niche markets. Sure, there may be a few people listening in who uh, work for a company like, I don't know, Coca-Cola, where you really are marketing to the masses. However, the vast majority of us are not marketing to the masses. We're marketing to a niche of people. And when you're marketing to a niche, 
you can create interesting content within that niche. And there's always room for valuable content because you may only be wanting to reach a few thousand people or several tens of thousands of people. That is your entire marketplace. So next to me right here is a wooden surfboard. I, I love to, I'm not very good at it, but I love surfing. Uh, I've been surfing for like 30 years. And I also am interested in the environment. I'm also a part owner of, a, of an eco resort and 10,000 acre, acre nature preserve in Panama. And all of those things came together with grain surfboards because these are surfboards that are made by sustainable techniques from natural wood. They're great for the environment. They're beautiful to look at. They're wonderful design surfboards. But what is that market? How many people will spend $2,000 on a custom-made wooden surfboard? It is a tiny, tiny, tiny market. Yet all of their marketing is based on content creation. They've got something like 50,000 followers of their Instagram feed. And that's what drives new people to them. They don't have to spend money to reach people, they just create content and people find them. Which I find interesting because I feel like a fear that had been looming, let's say in the last five years, is we're going to see these giant corporations called the Nikes, the Reeboks, I mean, the Coca-Cola, as you mentioned, kind of starting to figure out the online marketing world because they were pretty throwing money into the dumb fire and just trying to throw some ads, not being very creative at it. But I've seen they've matured in their marketing on the corporate yeah. side. And there was a fear that, hey, this is going to take away a lot of the opportunities for the niches. Have you seen that to be the case? Are there like certain things we need to do differently now? I really haven't. And the reason I haven't is because, again, they're going after you know, about a billion people. <laughs> They're going after a, a million, two million, three million, a hundred million, two hundred million people, a billion people. And that's a very different thing. When you're, you know, when you can afford to spend money on advertising in the biggest sporting events in the world, whether that's the, the World Cup or the US Super Bowl, whatever it is then you're dealing with a factor of many zeros more of a marketing budget than the vast majority of us have. The vast majority of us have a bit of brain power and maybe a few dollars, but we've got to live by our wits as opposed to living by a whole bunch of agencies who are trying to do things for you. So no, I don't really see a clash there. I think that there's the really big companies that do one thing, traditional forms of marketing, although putting them online. And then you've got um, everybody else who's um, who the more you create it, more creative you get the more you are able to influence the people you're trying to reach. And one of the places I first learned of this whole technique of putting things out there for free, putting content out for free, is over my right shoulder here on your left side uh, is a Grateful Dead logo. And I'm a huge, huge fan of the Grateful Dead. I've been a fan of the Grateful Dead since I was a young teenager. I went to my first concert when I was 17 years old. I've been to 75 Grateful Dead concerts since then. I'm super excited that I have tickets for two shows in the Boston area near where I live in August. And I'm also going down to Mexico in January for um, a four-day, there's going to be three Grateful Dead concerts with a four-day event in Mexico where the band and 5,000 people like me, rabid fans, will be gathered together. But the Grateful Dead built 
a fan base starting um, when they they started in 1965, believe it or not, and they're still growing in various offshoots. And John Mayer now plays the Jerry Garcia role in Dead and Company. They first got started and built their audience because they allowed fans to record their concerts. Every other band of that era, whether it was the Rolling Stones or the Who or whoever, said, you can't record our concerts. You can't bring cameras. You can't bring recording gear, you can't bring video gear and so on. The Grateful Dead said, sure, why not? So people like me heard these concert tapes. Originally, it was on cassette tapes and then later MP3 files because they would be played in dorm rooms and in car stereos and people's apartments. And that's how I became a fan. I've spent five, six, I've spent $7,000 in concert tickets this year. <laughs> 42 years after the first Grateful Dead show I ever saw, I'm still spending thousands of dollars a year. And part of that is because they've given to the universe, the universe gives back. So they created a social network before Mark Zuckerberg was even born. And we can all do that. Uh, we can all be kind and generous, provide content to the universe that brings people back in the niche that you work in. You already named a bit of a, a big player in this field of getting our message out, you know, the whole Facebook, the Instagram and all these social media platforms that exist. Yeah. And there's, I feel like there's a lot of resistance that can come up saying like, yeah, but you know, the algorithm is skewed against me. I can't fight against this. Like I hear a lot of complaints and like my reach doesn't go as far. Like what is your like sentiment around, you know, how social media has certain algorithms that optimize content and is there things that we can do to, you know, do better in this world that seems to be stacked against us. Before we continue, I just want to tell you a little bit about Mindvalley membership. For all of you personal development junkies like me out there, growing in one area of your life just isn't enough. That's why we made Mindvalley membership to bring you the best personal growth programs on the planet so you can evolve every day in every way. Whether you want to get crazy fit, build a business, or manifest more money in your life, there's a quest for that. And now you can access every single one for just $2 a day. So if you're striving to become the best self and live the life you deserve, try out Mindvalley membership at mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman. A couple of different thoughts about social media, social media algorithms. The first thought is that I believe everyone needs their own content real estate. I think that you either need a website or a blog or whatever it is, something that you own, that's a URL that you own, that, uh, that you control, that you can create, that you can point people to. So in my case, davidmeermanscott.com, I have newsjacking.com, I have fanocracy.com, I have very, various websites that are under my control where that's my, those are my, it's my primary place. And then I use the social networks, whether it's Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or, or LinkedIn, I use those social networks to point people to the place where they can learn more or they can get the majority of my content, which is on my various websites. And I think that is the primary model. I know there's lots of people who have done a good job at building an audience on one or another of the social networking platforms, whether it's Twitter or LinkedIn or Facebook or TikTok or whatever it might be. And that's super cool. But you don't own that content. 
<laughs> the, the social network owns that content and they can get rid of it at any time. Uh, just a, about a year and a half ago, Google completely eliminated Google Plus. And I knew people who spent hundreds and hundreds of hours creating content in Google Plus. It's gone. It's gone. And if that was your strategy, you don't have a strategy anymore. But my second thought around social networks and the algorithms is a bit more dark. And I believe that the social networking algorithms are incredibly destructive. And I believe in particular that the Facebook algorithm is the most destructive technology ever invented by human beings. The most destructive. Why? Because there's 2 billion people or more who are active on Facebook right now. And the Facebook algorithm is tuned not to deliver content to you, but it's tuned to get you to stay on the platform so they can sell you more ads. And it's tuned to get you to stay because they know the more polarizing the content, the more dramatic the headlines are that are in the content, conspiracy theories and negative content. Those are the things people tend to click on. That's what they're going to feed you more and more of. And if you end up going into a dark corner, they feed you way more of that dark corner. If you end up subscribing to conspiracy theories, you get more conspiracy theories. If you go down a particular political path, they give you more of that. And that's incredibly destructive. And it's led to many of the things that have happened, the negative things that have happened on the planet over the last couple of years, because people get riled up on social networks because of the especially Facebook because of this algorithm. It's the first time that you don't make a choice to seek out content in order to get it, but that content is delivered to you based on the fact that the algorithm knows that that's likely to get you riled up. And I think that's incredibly dangerous. And I think that the government regulators in many countries are going after the wrong thing. They're trying to look at how they can regulate the people who are creating the content. But people have been creating content for hundreds of years. What they really need to go after is the way that content is delivered or the algorithms behind it that are developed by Facebook and the others. Yeah. It, I mean, we've seen a, a couple of things coming out, like the social dilemma. I think there was another one yep. that talked about what, how like some companies can really use the ad strategies and the algorithm to really sway votes in countries and have a huge sway on political kind of messages. And this is, this is crazy. Like, and now we're seeing that some, some smaller groups can go and do some like really third degree manipulation techniques that is absolutely terrifying. And so that's the playing field that you're on. Like that's where you have to do marketing and PR. Are you seeing a shift of people going away from these platforms and seeing like healthier areas that we could be spending our dollars and trying to get attention? Well, I do think that there's still room to create content on the social networks. And for some, I'm not saying for all, but for some people, there still might be the possibility that spending some money on the platforms to generate ads can be worthwhile. The problem with spending money to generate ads, whether that's Google AdWords or the different social networks like Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and so on, where you can have paid placement, is it's become very, very difficult to make that 
something that's worth the financial investment. It, it's, you know, you spend $100 and you get $101 back. That's a long slog to make money. Uh, so that becomes an issue. What I've found to be valuable for me and for many other people that I've spoken with is create the majority of your original content on a platform that you own, then use the social networks to amplify that content and drive more people back to the content. Use the social networks as a platform to create rather than a platform to advertise. And, you know, generally that is a good approach. There's many, many exceptions to that, but generally that's a good approach for most organizations and most people. You already talked about platforms like Google Plus that disappeared over the ages. And obviously when you made your revisions to your book, you had to kind of, you know, take that out as a platform and update with the newer ones. What are some of the things that you're most excited about to see as platforms that are rising and the interesting ways that we can use it for marketing and PR? It is interesting to see how quickly things are changing right now. I mean, it, about what, six months ago, um, Clubhouse became super, super popular. All of a sudden, kabam. I actually haven't heard that much about Clubhouse recently. I don't know about you, Jason, whether you're using it and whether you did use it. But I, I, I think there might be room for audio only social network like Clubhouse. I think that's an interesting concept. TikTok has certainly been in a very, very interesting video platform, and it's risen very quickly. And um, there are now people who are using it as a tool for marketing, creating um, TikTok videos, and then using that as a way to reach people. So I think that's a particularly interesting idea. Something that I've talked about now for more than 10 years is a concept I pioneered called newsjacking. And newsjacking is simply the idea of creating content at the moment that it's uh, needed by people. In other words, looking at the news cycle and every news cycle breaks on, the, on a bell-shaped curve, it's always, always, always breaks on a bell-shaped curve. The news gains in importance, then peaks at some point and then drops off. And if you can create content as the news um, is beginning to grow in popularity, if you have a particular expertise around something, uh, then, that has an opportunity to get you quoted in the media, that has an opportunity to get attention in at a time when people are very, very interested in it. So let me give you an example of that. Uh, somebody attended one of my con uh, presentations that I delivered. I, I speak at Tony Robbins Business Mastery events around the world, and he saw me speak at a Business Mastery event. He learned about the idea of newsjacking. He's a lawyer. His name is Russell Alexander, a lawyer in Canada. And when the pandemic hit, he realized that there were a bunch of issues around the pandemic and family law, which is his specialty, that no one was talking about. And then he then said, oh, pandemic family law, this is something I can address. So he started to create content around pandemic, uh, the pandemic and family law. And then the media immediately picked up on it because they were looking for stories about how the pandemic is affecting different industries. And the basic idea is that if you're going through a divorce, 
for example, and your former spouse says, oh, I don't want you to have custody of the children because of the pandemic, it's too dangerous. What's the law behind that? Nobody knows. Russell knew, and he was then creating the content around this. He created the um, COVID-19 and Canada Divorce Center. Um, he did webinars, he did podcasts, he did videos, and he became the go-to resource in the entire country for this topic, quoted hundreds of times in the Canadian media, and he grew his business like crazy because of it. He had to add five new lawyers in order to keep up with the demand. So that's the idea of newsjacking. And you just sort of see this concept all the time. As we're recording this, just a couple of days ago was the World Cup and Cristiano, the, uh, the player, um, was doing a news conference. And do you remember he, he shoved aside the Coca-Colas uh, because he doesn't believe in drinking anything with sugar in it, pushed it aside. And uh, within about a day and a half, Ikea had been, has sold water bottles, the Cristano water bottles, which I think is super cool. So that's newsjacking. And newsjacking is a way that you generate attention when people are interested in what you have to offer based on your expertise. I find it interesting that you're the man who talks about newsjacking and you're also an avid surfer because you're basically talking about riding the wave with the media and what's causing the main amount of attention. Yeah, no, that's right. And that's right. And what's, what's, what I love about the concept of newsjacking is that it, the vast majority of the way that we do marketing is that we market when we're ready, right? We create a campaign and oh, we're going to launch that campaign three weeks from tomorrow. We, you know, we set an ad budget or whatever it is. We, we're going to do a campaign or I'm going to write a blog post and I'm going to publish it you know, next week or shoot a video and publish it ne next week. Or you and I are creating this podcast and you're going, to, you're going to release this episode at some point in the future. The difference with newsjacking is it's when the market is ready. Not when you're ready, when the market is ready. So you have to be ready to jump at a moment's notice. All of a sudden, Canadians are interested in what COVID-19 means for divorce law. Bang, you need to create content then if that's your specialty. Whatever that might be, yes, it is exactly like a wave. You can't just get up on your surfboard and surf anytime you want. You have to wait for the right wave. You have to wait. You have to go to the right conditions. Uh, you know, the wind has to be right. The waves have to be right. And then you have to get in position and then you have to um, paddle, paddle, paddle and jump up at the right moment. It's exactly what it's like with newsjacking. Thank you for noticing my surfboard and relating it to newsjacking. That's cool. Well, I have to mention for those who are just listening on the podcast, I get to see David's amazing surfboard in the background. And for those of you who would love to be able to join our live conversations, we have people coming in live and watching on video too. You just need to go to mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman. You can see how you can become a member yourself, which brings me to one of the final questions I'd love to ask is, you know, you talked about some new rules, right? Around where we're talking about all this new media stuff. Are you seeing still a major mistake that most people are doing when it comes to PR specifically that still is being repeated, people aren't changing, and that really needs to stop. You know, the, the biggest mistake I've seen is still the biggest mistake I'm seeing. It's the mistake I've been seeing for decades. That is that people spend way too much time telling us about their products and services and not enough time being helpful. You know, ultimately, people don't care about products and services. What they care about is 
finding ways to solve their problems. And, uh, and so organizations that are only focused on marketing products and services don't do as well as those who understand the people they're trying to reach. I call them buyer personas, but understand the people they're trying to reach, create the content for them, help them um, solve problems. And then that is the right moment for them to then consider that maybe your product or service might be able to help. It's just a problem that I see constantly is, you know, buy my product, buy my product. It's better than the other guys. It's faster, cheaper, whatever it is. That's not the best way to market, in my opinion. David, thank you so much for coming here, giving us our latest updates on the new rules of marketing and PR. Fantastic conversation. And the biggest things I take away from this is just, you know, we're seeing that again, what you've talked about from the beginning is even more relevant now is leading with generosity, leading with kindness is really what makes the top content stand out. We're seeing that even if there's algorithms out there that have some dark sides, there's still opportunities for us to use these social media platforms, not to be the host of our primary content, but to be drivers to our real estate that we develop, such as our websites and places that people can really consume what we create that we can own. Because as you mentioned, some places can die, such as Google Plus and you wouldn't want to put all your efforts and all your eggs into something you can't even control. I love that you always bring back the newsjacking concept because I think it's so powerful, which is not about when you're ready to publish, but what can you notice that is happening in the marketplace that you can jump in, be a part of that conversation and ride the wave of everything that's happening around. And of course, there's new technologies that are coming up at all times, new platform, but if you're leading with generosity, you're leading with kindness, you're giving for free, it comes back in dividends. And it's almost like when you start looking away from the instant gratification and play that long game, you start winning the game ultimately by playing by these new rules of marketing and PR. For those of you who are tuning in, make sure you grab a copy of the latest edition. We'll put a link in the show notes so you can learn more from David's work. You can even pick up a copy of Finocracy and go back to the original episode we did together if you want to talk more about how to do amazing marketing directly to your tribes. And with that, another powerful conversation with you, David. Again, thank you so much for being on the show. My pleasure, Jason. Thanks very much for having me on. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And if you haven't signed up already, be sure to check out Mindvalley Membership. Besides getting unlimited access to our top-rated programs and trainers, you'll also join an incredible supportive community on our new Connections app. This is basically a global campus where you find like-minded friends, mentors, and accountability partners from around the world online or get together at local meetups. If you want education that connects you with kindred spirits and transforms you from the inside out, Join the tribe at mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman today. My name is Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mindvalley podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.